from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixedLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Proud to be here with you every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. You're hanging out with us, like I said, on MixedLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT, WakeUpCallDT.com. That is where you are listening, you are watching on Facebook Live on facebook.com backslash live now dt and on facebook.com backslash wake up call dt which is our official wake up call with dance tour page it is tgif and i am proud to be here with someone that i I, it's been a long time since i have known known this gentleman i think we're going close to approaching the 10-year mark which is pretty insane but has been a friend professionally and personally has has been a tremendous human being in my life and i know that i always give him the act and I welcome him into the show, and he doesn't really take too much of it. He's humble. That's that's how he is. But the humble people are the ones that you like, not the ones where you say great stuff and they go, yeah, I agree with that. I am pretty awesome. So, you know, Tim Lester is here with us this morning of Western of the Western Michigan Broncos in his third season as the head coach. Mr. Lester, how are we doing today? I am doing great, Dan. How are you doing? I'm doing well. And, and one of the things that I thought was really great is, you know, I'm used to being the interviewer and asking everybody how they are and Right before we came on the air, you, you stopped and you said, how are you doing, man? And little things like that from a coach that's in the middle of bowl season with the kids and doing all that is uh, it means something and it goes a long way. So I know that it may mean nothing to you and that's just what you do, but thank you for actually asking how I'm doing and genuinely meaning that because I'm used to asking all the questions. Well, no, well, that's well, that's good. It's one thing. You know, relationships is an interesting thing. Is where as we try to build a program, or really just try to be a person, is caring about people. That's the best part of what we do. My, my favorite part about football is the relationships uh, that I that I have with my players, and obviously, you know, I, I enjoy that part of life. And when it comes to uh, media. You know, which I, we ran into each other, like you said, almost 10 years ago. You know, it's the same thing. It's, uh, I've, I've made great relationships with, with not all of them, most of them. And uh, just kind of clear about it, spend time with it. It's the, it's the best part of, of the world we live in. Absolutely. So we're here with Tim Lester this morning, Western Michigan Broncos. Uh, Tim, it's year number three. You, you have had, obviously, uh, success. I know that if I ask you this, uh, again, speaking on the humbleness and, and working and whatnot, you'll always say, you know, we could have done more. But you, as as the first-time head coach at Western Michigan, in your first year at Western Michigan, returning to your alma mater where you were a quarterback, you went 6-6 six and six in year number one, 7-6 and six last season, went to the famous Idaho Potato Bowl, and this year, 7-5. and five. Six and seven wins. You know, to you, obviously, you want more. To other schools around the country, they're begging and desperate and hoping and pleading for those things. So, how do you assess the the first three seasons? You got the chance at eight wins this year at seven and five currently. Just what your takeaways have been? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm proud of where we're at. Uh, you know, really frustrated with this year. You know, we lost three games by a touchdown or less in the last minute, uh, but we won some like that. So, I mean, I thought I thought we, you know, seven and Seven and five is not our goal. We won a big championship, and we we had a chance to, and, and we you know we won game short. And um, so 
it was it was frustrating year. It was a big year for our, our players to learn, but just by how close we were, you know, and making sure we can finish the deal. So, uh, but I'm proud of I'm proud of these seniors. I mean, the the transition that we went through. Um, you know, I'm a mathematician by degree. I love math. You know, the difference is some people use numbers. Non-math people use numbers at the end of something to try to make their their stance sound greater or worse you know mathematicians use number at the beginning of things to predict what's going to happen and and uh i was worried when i took this job i mean there has been in the last 10 years there's been six teams in the mid-american conference that have been to the next championship game and lost the coach obviously when you go to the next championship game people want to take in and statistically those six programs since 2008 that have had what happened to us uh, the coaches have failed miserably you know the average amount of wins in the first three years is 10 the highest amount of wins in the first three years has been 12. Uh, you know, we're, we're at 20, going on 21. Uh, but I told our players, I said, statistically, this has never been done. Uh, no one's ever not fallen off the wagon when their coach left and they hired from without outside. Uh, well, how are we going to do it? And we did it through communication. And are we a finished product? No. But uh, we definitely are statistical anomaly. Uh, because our guys stuck together and, and we, we were able to continue winning. Now we want to win at a different clip than we're winning right now, but we did not do what the last seven uh, programs uh, did that, that this happened to. So for you, like you said, to, to look at the mathematics of that all and the mechanics of it all and, and kind of knowing where where you want to go and seeing that progress and seeing that success, you know, year number three has become a magic number in in the world of college football, the expectation of if something's going to turn around, if something's going to be positive, if it's going to be boosted up, year three is the year that you really get to see it. Year three is when the success starts coming through. Are, are Do you buy into that notion? Is that a media-created notion? Is there some reality and truth to it? How do you see it as a head coach? No, I, I agree with you. I, I think it's a, it's an interesting year. I think that's just a statistical uh, anomaly that it normally usually really depends on when you turn the corner with your players. Yeah, you know I mean, which is interesting for us. You know, we we will next year. I think we're going to learn a ton about ourselves because we're going to lose our quarterback. Uh, he's been here for three years and he's done a good job. And uh, we're going to have to prove that we can recruit a quarterback and, and develop one now. You know, because you inherit so many players. Does that make sense? So it's yeah. some guys it might be year two, some guys it might be year four. Most people it's around year three. You know, you bring your young kids in. For the first year or two, you're kind of letting the juniors and seniors, the old juniors and seniors play, and then, then you start playing your own players, you know. So we'll, I think next year will be the first time I'm going on my fourth season. I think I'm going to have uh, three of the five classes, or no, four of the five classes next year will be mine. You know, the still will be seniors will be from recruited from the old uh, coach, but um, but you know, at this point, we've obviously built a really strong relationship with those kids and and look at them as our own. So uh, you know, this is this is the moment. You know that we, we expect to you know to keep taking steps forward, and uh, we've had a lot of good recruiting classes, and another one again this year, and, uh, and that should that should start as those guys grow up. We should we should continue to improve. How speaking here with Tim Lester, Western Michigan Broncos head football coach, and, and many of you uh, that are here in Central and Upstate New York know Tim Lester for being the man responsible for bringing in Eric Dungey. And here's the crazy thing about this, Tim, is that I said last season 
during the season, let's say three games in, five games into the season, I said, I really hope that you all don't make the mistake that I feel like we're rolling toward. And that mistake being that you appreciate Dungey, but not until after he's gone. You don't appreciate what you got until it's gone. And so the fans, you know, they're up and down and they're around the corner, but he had a good year and he went 10-3 and and they went to the Camping World Bowl and all that good stuff. But then this year rolls around and all those messages start to roll in. Dan, we really didn't appreciate it when we had it. Wow, if we knew, he should be on the Mount Rushmore of quarterbacks at Syracuse. I can't believe that we let this one get away. Does he have more eligibility? I saw him in the stands. I wish he could play. I really miss him. I don't know how the heck we did it without I, I don't know how we could have done anything without him. His leadership, there's nobody like him. Is there anybody in the country that we can find to mimic him? The exact thing that I warned people about many, many, many months in advance Hit, to, hit this season, hits still to today, and when I'm out in the community and I'm just walking by people in the grocery store, it's, damn it, I wish we appreciated Dungey when we had him. I wish we had more time. I wish we had a guy like Dungey. What's your reaction to the people obviously not listening to me and not listening to you either? <laughs> you know, I, I feel, I always feel that way. I, I obviously thought Eric was special. And, well, we found him out in, um, out in Lake Oswego, Oregon. You know, um, you know, we hit it off. I mean, it was awesome. But we when we went and played Syracuse there this year, it was awesome. He was in our, he was in my uh, my locker room before the game, not just with me, uh, not with our players, but uh, you know, he came by, brought his girlfriend, and we had a chance to just sit down and catch up. You know, which has meant a lot to me. You know, because uh, what I think about him, and, and um, but it happens a lot. I mean, I, I was I was amazed. You know, when when he when he left, and and I know. Anytime you're replacing a quarterback like that, it's, it's going to be hard. You know, I don't care if the if the new quarterback was recruited by the new coach or not. I mean, you, in my opinion, Syracuse has had a very, very special guy at the helm that, that could will you. I, I always call him the Rocky of of college quarterbacks. He's that tough, you know. And uh, yeah. you know, I've faced. I mean, I coached. I've recruited him. I coached him, and then I also coached against him. And uh, and he is that's a special person, and 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 that's where. It happens everywhere that when you, you make this up, now they're going to blame everything else, but you had a kid that was special and had a lot of experience and, and, uh, um, the, the, the next guy needs to get that experience to be that, you know, and cause Eric didn't jump off. You know, we knew that it was coming. Uh, you I knew that when he wasn't 185 pounds anymore, when he was in his first couple of years playing, uh, that I, I knew what the finished product was going to look like. You know, now you go from a, a four year starter to a guy who's just starting now and, and he's going to make some mistakes and, and he'll be fine. But, uh, yeah, it, it happens all over sports where people, they overlook, uh, some of the guys they have and, and, uh, and then they have to deal with what they're doing with them. Do you, you know, you being on the other side of Syracuse in the matchup at the Dome this year when Western Michigan, your team, came into town, do you, what do you see from Tommy DeVito? Because it has been a, a learning year, it has been a growth year, it has been a, a year of, uh, I'm sure, frustration with things that he wanted that didn't necessarily come through, but it's also been a year where, you know, his family has addressed the fact that they really can't go online and look at anything right now no and that's part of the deal and it's right wrong or indifferent it's what is what it is i mean i I don't i don't look at any any of those things either and and um you know i think the kid has a really strong arm i think he has i think he can i think he can make any throw in the book he made a couple throws and 
in our game that were it was impressive. Um, but I think he's got to get comfortable. I mean, they the, got rattled a couple times, and we got a, it was getting hit a lot when they lost the rest of their games. I don't we you know we played in game four, but um, you know he he was you know wasn't able to get settled in some of the early games, and, and I didn't watch the rest to see it. Did they do a better job? Did they chip ends? Did they find ways to give him a little bit of space? Because he was a guy that proved that if you give him time and space, he can do some things. You know, and uh, you know, Ryan, a little bit. A little bit like David Blau that way, my quarterback at Purdue, who, you know, when, when given time, he's playing for the Lions now, when given time, you know, he's really good, you know, and, uh, and I, I kind of felt that way about DeVito, and if they can continue to give him a little bit of time, then I think he'll continue to develop, but, um, you know, that, that was what I saw as their major issue coming out. I thought their defense was stout. Obviously, a couple of their D linemen, I think, are pretty special when we played them, and, but, uh, you know, they gave him time in our game. They got a couple of run games going. He got a couple over the top, and, and we can get him uncomfortable back there, which is the one thing you want to do to, to young quarterbacks and to veteran quarterbacks, you know, uh, is just get him rattled in there. And if you can do that, you got a shot. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking here with Tim Lester this morning on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. Tim, before I let you go, National Signing Day has happened uh, for your team, Western Michigan. Obviously, for Division 1A in general, 130 college football teams in Division 1A this early signing period that happens right before Christmas. And, you know, there uh, there's still the February one in that first full week of February and that Wednesday it still exists. But what's your take as a head coach on the early signing period? Do you like it? Does it help you sleep better at night during the holidays to know that it's wrapped up? I mean, what's what's your overall take? Because I now I think it's been three years that we've had this early signing period. So what's the overall takeaway from it, and and how do you feel like it went this year? Yeah, I mean, ours went. It was a great year for us. We had twenty scholarships. We signed twenty guys. It was a very uh, not a lot of surprises, which is a good thing. I mean, they all came in in about five minutes. It was the fastest, most efficient signing day I've ever been a part of. But uh, so that I think it's a good thing. Um, most. Most sports haven't really signed it. Uh, I think most people like it. It's not really called the early signing day anymore. I was in a the head coach's meeting and David Shaw wrote, wrote, you know, rose his hand as like, can we stop calling it the early signing day? Call okay. it the signing day because that's when everyone signs and then there's a later signing date. And, uh, because most people are, are, are signing at that point. So, uh, I think it's good. It does make, it makes, December hectic now. I mean, the, from the from the end of your last game to that signing date is uh, is one of the craziest uh, two and a half week periods. It is the craziest two and a half week period between getting out and recruiting as a head coach and and uh, potentially preparing for a championship game and official visits and banquets and all the things that happen. Um, you know, it's it is a crazy, crazy uh, couple weeks. Uh, but it but it was, it's great to get it done. I do wish personally. Uh, the one thing I would like to see NCAA do or the American Football Coaches Association is if you're going to have an early signing date, have it, have it early. You know, every other sport has a signing date before their senior season. Like when we watch basketball players play their senior year, they've already signed. Yeah. You know, they are, we already know where they're going. And then, uh, so if you're going to have an early signing, we, we talked about it forever. We moved it up six weeks, which isn't that much time. Uh, I would like to see it in like July 1st before your senior year. Um, and then, then kids can sign and not have to worry about playing their senior year of football and getting hurt because you're already signed. You know, it happens a lot where kids play their senior year, they get banged up and they get dropped by some of these programs. And, um, I think it would protect the kids better. 
you'd have to put a clause in there saying if the head coach gets fired after the season, you can get out of your national letter of intent. That would be the one thing we'd have to add. But, uh, you know, and then after the season, the second the second signing date could still be in February. You know, I think that would uh, work better for the players and make December this craziness after the season because the final seasons are still going on. Um, yeah, I think it would just clean it up. So your signing days would be July 1 and February, first one is in February. Um, I think that's what will work most. I don't know if we'll ever get to that because it might be too much of a radical change for everybody, but uh, every other sport has, seems to have one before they, the play, student athletes play their senior and one after. And I would love to see that change because I think it would, it would be the best for, for coaches and players alike. Yeah, coming from Tim Lester, uh, Tim Lester, Western Michigan Broncos, head coach in his third season. And uh, we met back when he was the offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach at Syracuse, and bringing in Eric Dungey and some other great players here at Syracuse while he was here. Uh, really quick here, Tim, I know you're in the holiday season. You're with the boys. I want you to get back to it because I think it's awesome. December 30th, thir- Serve Pro First Responder Bowl, Western Kentucky and your team, Western Michigan, at the Gerald J. Ford Stadium in Dallas, 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN. I will be watching it, and I will, you know, as a, as a broadcaster, I am impartial. As Dan Tortora in the comfort of my own home, go Lester. So bring bring me into the first responder bowl and just what your take is right now. Oh, it's an exciting bowl. I mean, we got, we got you know, picked out of one of our MAC bowls and put in this bowl. This is a uh, Big Ten slash Big 12 bowl game. And, uh, so I know that it's Dallas. They take care of the, the teams well. We're playing a really good team. I mean, defensively, I think they're ranked, you know, points a game. They're like 20th in the country. I mean, they're, and we're like, I think 21 or 22. So the, the guy that sat in the room and put this matchup together, you look at the stats, it's like, okay, our offense is a top 20 offense. Their defense is a top 20 defense. And if you look at the defensive rankings where our defense and their offense rank, I think they're both like 68, 69. You know, so we match up really well. It should be a great game, and that's what I think people want in bowls. And uh, playing a conference USA team with eight wins will be a challenge. And, and uh, I know our kids are really, really looking forward forward to it. Final piece, holiday season. Hey, it's... I have a question for you. Yeah, go ahead. How is what are you hearing? Because I and I am so focused in on my my program and growing it. Uh, one of my favorite kids I recruited is Sterling Hoffrichter. In fact, his parents uh, his parents came over to our hotel. I was in, walking through our hotel when we were in Syracuse playing, and there there's his parents. I gave him a hug. It was great to see him. Uh, they came over to say hi and thanks and all that stuff. And what are you hearing about him? I mean, I think he's. I mean, obviously, I think he's a great player. What is the word around there as far as his chances of kicking after college? You know, I honestly believe that this is something that that could could definitely happen for him. I mean, I think what he's been able to do and how he has been able to go about it has has been tremendous. He's been consistent. Obviously, you don't want to punt the ball away, but when you do, you want somebody that you can trust in. You know, I, I, the award didn't ultimately go to him at the end of it all this season nationally, but to be a semifinalist and to be where he's at, I know how hard it is to get a job as a kicker or a punter or a long snapper in the NFL because people don't really think about it until you don't do well at that job consistently, but those guys stay. And I know a lot of kickers and punters around the country that have tried to get in, but I think Sterling's going to get himself somewhere. I would see him getting drafted, but if if not, I know he'd get a phone call within the first half an hour, I would anticipate. But 
that man should be kicking on Sundays. And, you know, if Jacksonville didn't have such a good punter since they punt the ball all the time, I would I would tell Jacksonville to call Sterling off Richter. But with a lot of things changing in Jacksonville, no more Tom Coughlin and probably no more Doug Marone or GM Dave Caldwell, maybe they will start moving some people and shaking some around. But I definitely would like to see Sterling on Sundays. I think he's more than earned the right to do that. And we know that he can kick as well when needed to, and he can make those long field goals. So he's a tremendous kid, and, and every time you know I passed uh, Armwood on uh, when I was down in the Tampa area and whatnot, always thought about him, and uh, I really do hope that, that he gets it. What do you think? Do you think the NFL should jump in on it? Every time I've seen him kick, I've thought, I mean, we always play Syracuse early, so I, when I, I, I mean, I love the kid. So, you know, he, he, he kicks bombs. I mean, it's unbelievable to watch. It's different, and I... But then I don't watch any of the other games, and I think you know, he's a finalist for the world. It's great that he is. Yeah, I think he should be. Um, you know, I just don't. I don't pay attention. I don't read up on how he's doing, other than when I'm getting prepared to play him. And when I we played him twice in the last two years, and it's unbelievable to watch him. He's better than any kicker we faced. Uh, so I'm I'm excited too. I figured you know New Year's into what's going on there that you you would know better than I would as far as. Uh, his chances, which it sounds like he's going to get a shot, and that's what I want for him. And in, in the first Ray Guy finalist in the history of Syracuse, which is insane because Syracuse has had some tremendous punters, and, and you know Riley Dixon, who's in the NFL, and obviously Rob Long and everything that, that Rob has done. So there's been some fantastic punters in the history, including recently. My final thing for you, Mr. Lester, it's Christmas season. It's holiday season. I know PC, we have to say happy holidays. I say Merry Christmas and happy holidays because I believe in something above me here. So how are you celebrating the season? And do you get a, do you go and cut down a Christmas tree? Because I have a very fun story about the hell that mine caused me this year. So (laughs) how do you celebrate the season and do you get a real tree? Uh, we do not get a real tree. And you know what the funny thing is, my, when, uh, when me and my wife got married, I married into a, a cat. And so we bought a fake one. And, and since the, the cat has passed, we have not, we actually discussed this year for the first time. So, well, the reason we bought this fake tree, which is a beautiful fake tree, um, you know, was because of the, Bosco's a cat, and now that Bosco's gone, we should probably get a new one. We should get a real one one of these times. So, uh, I, a real one is definitely coming into our uh, into our family future. But right now, we kind of have the same one, Steady Eddie. Uh, we bought a new one, actually, when we were in Syracuse that we've, we've had, and uh, we always on Thanksgiving uh, night, uh, you know, or the, or the Friday after Thanksgiving, we all sit there and put everything together, and the whole family being here in Kalamazoo, Michigan, we're about two hours from Chicago, where our whole families are, so they all come over, and so um, we'll celebrate Christmas Eve and Christmas Eve, we do it just Christmas Eve morning, and we'll send all the guys to, so they can uh, have a Christmas with their families, and uh, but yeah, it's it's just great being close enough to family that they all can come, and we'll have I don't know ten, fifteen, twenty people staying at our house, and, and hopefully it'll be snowing, and, and uh, we'll get to spend time together. That coming from Tim Lester, and Tim, I know a big bowl game coming up December thirtieth. My best to you in the First Responders Bowl and, and obviously in general, and a Merry Christmas to you and to the family out there. My tree finally got in the stand. It's and it's 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 massive. It is probably the thickest and it's a very beautiful tree that I have, but uh but it involves my cousin cutting his finger and involved me having a saw to the tree 
in my living room because I wasn't bringing it back out to the garage and all the other <laughs> fun pieces that have happened with it. But the tree is up. The tree is there. And, uh, yes, I mean, I, I love the, I, yeah, I made, I made it, I did it, but you know, I had a very Chevy chase national lampoons Christmas already. So I'm excited about it, but I really do wish you a Merry Christmas and the best in the bowl game. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. And the one thing I, I, I haven't done this, but I've been told from people that have cut down trees that it always is bigger than it looks. They're always like, oh, this this thing will fit perfectly. And then they walk it in their living room and it's enormous. So I'm, I'm, I'm prepared. I've been studying. I'm ready. To, hopefully there will be no cut fingers or blood or anything like that when, when I weed it out. But I'm glad. I hope your brother's, your brother's okay. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And I do want to give you this really quick. One of my longest listeners of, of over a decade, Jerry Hart, said, I had no skin in this game until I heard this interview. Best of luck, Broncos. So you, you got another Bronco fan, which is good stuff. I love it. All right, that coming from Tim Lester. And, yeah, be well. We'll be in touch. And, and obviously, Merry Christmas. I'll talk to you soon. All right, I appreciate you. Take care. Merry Christmas. All right, you too. Take care. Uh-huh.